feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Chris and Dom here, and uh, as always, make sure you follow us on the uh, social medias there for us, as well as uh, the Sports Experience Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where we're on video. Uh, we're also uh, recording down here at Engel Studio uh, here in downtown Tucson for all of your audio needs. And uh, Chris, what's it look like today? Uh, man, we're back on the diamond. We're talking about the crime dog, Fred McGriff. The crime dog. He was criticized for wearing a trench coat for most of his professional career but it's very true but you know what he prevented a lot of crime he was the crime dog. and you know what he smelled crime <laughs> it's the Back lab a little bit of you know what no does crime. he smell crime <laughs> Dolph Lundgren it's beautiful even out the gate all right here we go uh Frederick Stanley McGriff uh, also uh, wanted to point out just made the baseball hall of fame. Yes, I, so, I long just watched, overdue. I just watched his speech. It was nice. Yeah, I liked it. Very yeah. Not. classy guy, Fred McGriff. One yep. of the good guys as we'll go One of the, into. Yep, one of the good guys. Uh, Frederick Stanley McGriff, born Halloween, nineteen sixty-three. I did yep. not know that in uh, Tampa, Florida. In Tampa. Uh, youngest boy uh, had two sisters and two brothers. Um, was obsessed with baseball growing up. Uh, because it's Florida, and was super into it because spring training was right there in his backyard. I was just going to say, it was he had spring training, and he worked at that stadium and went to it, I imagine, every single time that they would come in. So it is like that thing, obviously, before there's professional baseball in Tampa at this point. Because someone wanted to relocate. They hated the weather in Cleveland. That's right. Wanted to move down there and lose and then, finish dead last. So, yeah, just having that spring ball and all of that got him very obsessed. And, I mean, obviously was a great thing because he became, you know, just a power-hitting Prime phenom. Dog. Yeah. Uh, what was a good thing about that was it was Al Lopez Field where the Reds trained. So he's growing up when the big red machine are coming yep. to town. So you got like Johnny Bench and Joe Morgan and uh, our boy Pete Rose coming right. to town with that sweet bowl cut. He talked about if you caught the foul balls, you'd get a hot dog and a Coke, which I was, God damn it, crying. That's awesome. Yep. Um, he uh, had this one quote I wanted to read. It was fantastic. He says, I can't remember going to my first game. I mean, I was always at a baseball game. I liked ball games. Yeah, like, which is, I, I imagine he literally would go every single day. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like one of those things just like, I don't remember the first one. I've been to like hundreds by the time I was, you know, 16. That's a, that's like dudes who were with a lot of ladies. I don't really remember my first time. That's I just right. remember all the times. But right. uh, played uh, in West Tampa Little League and then went on to Jefferson High School. He was cut his sophomore year, I, which I, was insane to think. I thought that was pretty interesting. They say he really hits a growth spurt. Yeah. Um, so I wonder how much smaller he was than the other. You know what I mean? Where some kids just like don't. They're just smaller all around. So it sounds like he like literally hit puberty right there, hits a growth spurt, and they're just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess what happened was... Um, his head coach, Pop Cuesta, said he was 5'6", five, 5'7", five, with glasses. And McGriff said they didn't have a junior varsity team. So oh, yeah. The freshman team, you either make the varsity or you're not or you're on done. the team. Yeah. And then he's just like, I just worked out the whole summer. Then the whole just school year leading up to baseball tryouts and basically became an awesome prospect. Yep. 
um, turning into a six foot three, two hundred pound slugging, and he was a pitcher too, which is crazy. Yeah, he started off like that, but I mean, yeah, we, you you see all of these guys who are just unbelievably athletic. They're like, let's try you at all of these positions. You're left handed. You can play shortstop, and God, you probably could have. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Um, he had several offers uh, to go to college. Uh, I think he was going to go to Georgia. Georgia, yep, that was the big one. Um, but he chose baseball. Well, did you see? I did see. Like, he impressed. He impressed a lot of scouts. And it, and when you're in Florida, you run into a couple of guys. So he hits a home run off the one, the only Dwight Gooden, who's the real Florida man. And the thing that I love about this because. Scouts are showing up to watch Dwight Gooden, and he literally parks one. He's six three, two hundred yeah. pounds, and people are like, "All right, we're going to start watching this guy too." I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna send, uh, you know, whoever. Who the hell is that? That's yeah. probably what it exactly. was. Exactly, kind of like a Tim Brown scoring four touchdowns on like an zero and eight team. No, see, like, who's that guy? No, 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 not the guy we came to see, but that guy. <laughs> Is this the guy that didn't share, wasn't on the list for camp? Get that guy a uniform. He's in his pajamas just hitting dingers. <laughs> but that's, that's you know, like you, you're... The, the scout show up to watch Dwight Gooden. He rips a home run. Now he is heavily scouted. Fred's like, hey, not going to hurt my nose, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Like I'm a Dwight different is. kind of player. <laughs> so he's drafted in the ninth round of senior year 1981 by the New York Yankees. By the New York Yankees. And this is the era of the Yankees trading away young prospects. And we're going to get into one of the best. What'd you trade Fred McGriff for? He's <laughs> got a rocket for an arm. <laughs> Try to pay Buda for Ken Phelps. Uh, so uh, in uh, 1982, he breaks out. Um, he struggles in 1981, but he's still but just he's, a kid. I was just going to say, mean, yeah. He's, like. Uh, in 82, he hits 272 in 62 games for the Gulf Coast Yankees. Still 18 because of his late uh, October birthday. Nine dingers and 41 RBIs. And you're thinking, man, this is great. Of course, for the Yankees, you have Don Mattingly playing first base. And if you're thinking about that and you're just like, he's never going to overtake that. You play it- in the American League. It's called a designated hitter yep <laughs> like um it would be kind of smart to trade this young prospect but man do they trade him for the classic washing well machine. so this is washing machine part one yep so on december 9th 1982 um traded uh dave collins mike morgan and cash to the toronto blue jays for tom dodd dale murray and people have said this is the worst trade in yankees history. i would say modern yankees history it's got to be like top three it, yeah no it has to be because it, it is really their their prospects going out for i mean i think they said like these the guys that they got played up for like a year yeah you know what i mean it was just really bad at uh, least they made the major leagues we'll get into one later where it's just dear god why yeah would you do would you, no don't do that so and uh, he goes to the Blue Jays organization and just starts raking. Yes, he just starts raking for him um, in both uh, levels of A ball. The following year, has twenty eight dingers and eighty three RBI. Twenty years old. He's twenty years old in eighty three, and he's playing winter ball at this time too. So that's the other thing is like you think of him coming straight from high school, and now he's playing all year round. Yeah. So like just the the skill is just there at that time. That's like when you said you're just 20 years old, you're just like, oh yeah, this was the right move. Not going to college, but like, you know, 
It's, you just entered the workforce is what you did, yep. essentially, uh, in 84. And mind you, the Blue Jays are starting to improve rapidly at this point. Um, in A Knoxville, he's already the uh, number two prospect in the organization. And then also he makes AAA that year with 22 home runs. Mm-hmm. So as the, a really young kid ready to join a really stacked Blue Jays team, uh, following year he has a stress fracture in his right ankle, which kind of delays him getting to the majors. Um, in 86 season triple a and eventually makes his major league debut in may that year as an yep. injury replacement so uh so in 86 he he kind of like finishes out the year and then and you start to see him you're just like okay this is a really good prospect for what could have been like a really great younger team well i mean you, you figure he's 23 he's age 24 season he'll be in the big leagues full-time yep which is what you exactly what you would Exa- want yes that that path is just taken by so many that you're just like yep this is what we want in uh, 87 he's platooning at first base with mm-hmm. uh cecil big daddy look it's regular daddy fielder yeah uh, but 20 homers i was just gonna say you see that he can hit the long ball in the pros, you could see almost like you're just like, yes, this guy will be a cleanup hitter. This guy will be a three, a four, however you want to do it. And 20 in his first full season, you're just like, he only oh, had 295 okay. at bats, though, yep. which is crazy to think because, and we'll discuss what he does, but you pencil him in for 30 dingers, 100 RBIs, and anywhere between like 280 and 310 every single season, yes, which is a cleanup hitter. That's what, you want. That's what you want because he is really Mr. Consistency on a bunch of different teams. Oh, so totally. It's, yeah. Um, the next three seasons, so 88, 89, and 1990, I mean, now he's one of the best first basemen in the American League. And and one of the best power hitters. Yes. That's what everybody is saying because I think he has like 34 home runs in, in 88, and you're just like, all right, now we're, now we're looking at a potential – all-star every single year. He had a league leading 36 and 89, so we'll keep that oh, yeah, one he in had mind. 36, yeah. Um, Blue Jays win the division in 89, and in 1990, he hits 300 and also wins his first silver bat yep. in 89. Um, also an AL leading uh, uh, 924 OPS that year. And uh, unfortunately, his own first postseason trip for a while, he hits basically like 140 yes. against the A's. And they, yeah. They pretty much just bombed that series. But by 1990, the Blue Jays are, at the end of that season, they're looking to shake up their organization. They have uh, Trade some players. John Olrude sitting in the wings there at first base and feel like they can make some other upgrades. So This is a good trade. Not it's Yeah, a, this is a great trade, Chris. This is a fantastic I trade. I knew that was going to trigger you. That's why I loved it. I was writing it this down. This is when my ch- part of my childhood dies because my favorite player goes away. Oh, Jesus. Um, so he's traded December 5th, 1990 uh, with Tony Fernandez for... Robbie Alomar and Joe Carter. Which we taught on in the Alomar episode. On mm-hmm. paper, it looks like it benefits both teams. Yes. And it does. Yes. And it does. It does. But the Blue Jays are very smart because they can just move their second baseman to shortstop, plug in Alomar, Carter can jump into right field, and then Olrude plugs the McGriff spot. Mm-hmm. So it's it's better for the Blue Jays. It's definitely a lot better for the Blue Jays. Uh, but his first season in San Diego, rakes. 31 dingers, 106 RBIs, 278. But despite having a really stacked lineup, guys like Tony Gwynn, Bit Roberts, and everybody, they can't catch the Dodgers at the Braves. They just can't do it. 
I think they finished third that year in the NL West. Um, the following season, though, he's an all-star for the first time. Yep. 1992, um, and the all-star game is played in San Diego. 104 ribbies. Leads the NL in home runs with 35. First person in the 20th century to lead both leagues in home runs. Multiple leagues in Multiple home leagues, runs. yeah. AL and NL. So this is how, this is how ridiculous this stat is. Harry Stout Stovey led the National League and American Association in the old timey. One of the leagues did not exist, so that's how special Fred McGriff is. <laughs> Fred McGriff wouldn't have been allowed to play in these leagues no, if you know what I'm talking league. about. If you know what I'm saying. Mr. McGriff, what are you doing in that carriage? It's correct, sir. <laughs> um, he won the second silver bat, but in this is a year... Lineup is stacked. Gwynn over 300 again. Sheffield wins the batting title. They mm-hmm. have no pitching. Absolutely no pitching. All offense. And this is the beginning of some the time when San Diego's ownership group says, hey, let's just sell everything we have to A, make money, but B, putting up a competitive product on the field doesn't mean anything to us anymore. Well, if you look at just the way they're, they're just like, oh, are you guys a postseason contending team we'll trade this guy for less than he's worth you're just like why it's is this happening it's not less than he's worth chris it's much less oh my god yes so he's set to make four million dollars heading into 93 um basically they're having a fire sale yes that's what it seems like and what ends up happening? i didn't know this until i think it was his hall of fame speech the general manager had asked him, you know, where he wanted to, and he said, "Get me as close to Tampa as you possibly can." Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like at least like an East Coast kind of. I just, fi- I mean, that's just. But because the Braves have such an amazing farm system, you'd think, oh, Chipper Jones, Ryan Klesko, some sort of commiserate value for a guy who just led the National League in homers. But oh no, oh no, no. July 18th, 1993, they execute a trade with the Braves for Vince Moore, Donnie Elliott, and Melvin Yevis. Why? Why? We all know Melvin Yevis is one of the greatest commentators of our time. So (laughs) that's why we want to get him. There are water heaters that can bat better than that jag off. What does he do first game with the Braves? Rips a home run. All right. So I wanted to go. I don't know if you heard the story. So the Braves at this point are down by like nine, ten games to the yeah. Giants yeah, yeah. in the 93 NL West because because Atlanta's in the western region of the United States. Um, it's July 20th. Before the game, McGriff doesn't think he's going to play because he's been nursing kind of a rib injury. Like he's thinking, all right, well, I get back to Tampa. Everything's okay. I got a couple of days off. I'll probably miss tonight's game, you know, rehabbing. And everything. then get back into it. But a fire breaks out in the press box and causes their gaming in St. Louis to get delayed by several hours, which in turn, I don't know what kind of voodoo they're working in that Atlanta training room, but uh, McGriff's ready for the game. And like you said, two run dinger. Mm-hmm. They come back five from down five to nothing, which is absolutely crazy. And, What's even crazier is 
over the course of his 68 games with the Braves, they go 51 and 17, and, and he rips 19 dingers. Yep, and overtake the San Francisco Giants, which you look at this Braves team. This is the Braves team that is just like the team that you want to hate because they had they get McGriff so now they're ripping home runs and they have this stupid ass pitching staff but this is the like we were I think he hit 37 in that year yeah he did yeah so it's actually a career high for him a career high yes so you see him switching to the Braves and still just being the literal like breaker that he does that he is all the players who were in lineups with him said almost the exact same thing he makes the other hitters around him better yep because they're not necessarily grooving pitches to these guys but they're actively trying to get these guys out pitching to contact so they don't have to face freddie and then you see him in the next year could have been his best year. Well, I didn't want to bring up oh, that yeah, postseason against the Phillies. Oh, yeah. He had yeah. almost 450. Yep. So uh, I saw that. Not necessarily his fault that they went down. They, yep. Prop. If they had a comfortable lead and weren't like basically playing catch up, but I mean, it made it might have been a different story for them. But I think they just kind of ran out of gas. So. Yes. But uh, you got to be hot at the right time. At the right time. 94. This could have been his ultimate Th- season. That's what though. I mean. 94. I mean, you see a couple of guys who were just hitting in their prime. This is him in the strike shortened season. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, 113 games, 34 dingers, 94 RBIs, 318 batting average. He won MVP of the All Star game. He yep. had two run homer off a of future Hall of Fame. In the ninth closer, to Lee tie Smith. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that year, yeah, also had a career high at 1.012 OPS. And I bring this up because of the eventual number of home runs he'll finish mm-hmm. with. And. Why I hate Hall of Fame voters so much, Chris, so much, because they erased, what, 40-some-odd games that year? Yep. 50-some-odd games? So uh... in, his, in his prime of hitting on, the, on this, probably his best team. So, yeah, it's, it's rough. The following season kind of puts it all together. Yep, little 95. A little bit strike-shortened, too. I think they only played 140-some-odd games. Yep. Still 27 dingers, 93 ribbies. Uh they're the best team in baseball this year. I mean, at least in the National League. I know the Indians are pretty good, but uh, just rolls right through the playoffs, hitting two dingers against the Rockies in the division series. Uh, Four thirty-eight against their sweeping the Reds, swept the Reds. Jeez. Yeah, that's when you're like, man, this is gonna. Yeah, and then you get into the World Series, and he has he does what he does. He really is. I, I was looking at it when. You look through stuff where, because like for whatever reason, people were kind of talking shit about him being a Hall of Famer, and you look through and you're just like, no, no, no. He had almost every single postseason. He was literally the guy you want. He ne- he never not showed up for just his team. that one for the Blue Jays. That was the only yeah, time, which is that, like, okay. and that was what, his first time. He hit like 140, and I was just like, that's it. Every <laughs> other time, so we're getting to the World Series against the Indians. They they beat him in six, and he rips two home runs and hits like he hits a one off of Oral Hershiser that hasn't yep. landed yet in game one. I mean, he was but making he's a world Oral champion. give him Oral. Yeah, yeah, dude, he was. it was it. It's what you expect from an all-star Hall of Famer world champion. 96th, again, they're the best team in the National League. He re-signs, which they didn't know if he was going to re-sign. I saw that where he was like, just like a, you were saying, he was like, I want to get closer to Florida, which is where his family is. There's no um, team in Tampa. Not yet. Not yet, which is so funny. Four years, $20 million, and he just does what he does. He, he has like... 
like you're saying, it's 106 RBIs. It's yeah. Well, what I found so interesting with him is uh, he had talked about being like super into the science of hitting. Like I know he brought up that book. Um, what's it called? The Art of Hitting 300 by uh, Charlie Lau. Yep. It's just something like if I get this amount of hits a month, if I get you know this type of like I not only am I helping myself, but I'm helping my team win. I'm helping the guys around me. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I probably would have forgot. But the the mental side of it that he takes so seriously because he's just like you know what I want. I want to go three of ten. And you know what that's going to turn into? That's going to turn into me going 30 of 100. And then he'll like build it up like that where it's like I'm going to break it down so it's not such a crazy-ass number to where I have to – you know what I mean? And and he on the mental side, and I feel like he is one of those players that focuses in so much on hitting like a Ted Williams that that you're just like, oh, yeah, they really like spent – ridiculous amount of time just thinking <laughs> about hitting going to bed all i'm thinking about is hitting yeah being a very fundamentally sound player with my tom amansky defensive drills yeah i guess he had met him like in the uh, in the summer he was like a swing instructor or something oh like, yeah like so he had met him and then later amansky's like hey i'm putting out this video when they were on a road trip in chicago will you put on this jersey and hat say a few things and he's like what do you want for he's like hey, just give me one percent yep and that's what he gave him. And that, if you're not a kid of the 90s, just go to YouTube and look up Tom Amansky's defensive drills. Yep. Like, oh, God, that was so fantastic. Anyway, uh, so 96, um, career high 182 hits. Um, NLDS, they sweep the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was pretty good. Then two dingers and seven RBIs against the Cardinals. That was a postseason series they probably should have lost. St. Louis had them on the ropes. They just couldn't they close them back. out. Yeah. Um, then they go up 2-0 in the World Series against, against the Yankees, and you're mm-hmm. like, God. You really think they're going to go back-to-back because going up 2-0 against the Yankees, but you know what Yankees had at this time? Boggsy. They, had, they did have Boggsy. And that's just that's a recipe for a World Series. But it's not the fact that they lost. It's they were up 2-0 yeah. and just dominated. They dominated them, dominated them at Yankee Stadium. Yep. And... McGriff still played well. He hit, what, like 300 and had a couple dingers. That's what I mean. So he's always had great postseasons, great World Series. Um, Yeah, but Yankees end up beating them. This is kind of the end of the Braves. Mm -hmm. I won't say the end because they're in the postseason every year, but they make one, maybe one World Series in the next 10 years, I think, that they make the playoffs. So uh, next season, still 22 homers, 97 ribbies. Uh well, they beat the Astros in the NLDS. They lose that odd Marlins series. So the Marlins. Yeah. So if you ever want to see Chris, uh, Fred McGriff confused, <laughs> go watch that game. Uh, I think it's Game Five of yeah of the NLCS, and just watch balls that are not balls. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Yes, very uh, well umped game. Very well umped game. Very, um, even for Angel Hernandez, well umped game. But. Uh, <laughs> So now we get into 98, and we get into... He's 34. He's 34. Tampa Bay is a new organization in in the expansion. They have an expansion draft where they can take players from other teams that aren't protected. Yeah. Um, the, The Braves say, we are not protecting you. And he gets to go where he's always wanted. Yeah. Where it's, they, it's such it's a weird... It's just a shame they're not an established team, yep. you know? Yep. Like it's like, but it's such a weird thing because I bet in his wildest fantasy starting 
with the Yankees, Blue Jays, or whatever. He's just like, man, there's never going to be a team in Tampa. And then, like, oh, yes, literally, he's just like, yeah, and I know who's on those teams with him. Bogsy. Yep. Old Bogs. So the next few seasons, he's actually one of the lone bright spots for, yes, for them. the expansion. Because yes. he could still rake. He's yep. still raking. Uh, 78 homers his first three years there. In 99, he hits 310. And, and with 32. Uh, yeah. So you, you see, and just to point that out, he's 35, 36, which I love that when you're just like, oh, yes, I forget how old he is. And mind you, unlike a lot of other guys in this era, he's not cheating. No. It, you can see he's the exact same body frame. He is. For he his, stayed the exact same his whole career. Yes. There's none of that where you're just like, man, his forehead is slightly bigger. No, he's not going bald. I said his forehead's bigger. <laughs> um, I'll start for the final time in 2000. Uh, yep. They have uh, Vinny Castilla, Greg Vaughn, and Jose Canseco joining him, which are three players who might have been chemically enhanced. Well, not Canseco. Well, not Canseco. <laughs> He's never admitted to it. Or Champion, though. Champion, you'll see. Real is, American. Uh, June 2nd, 2000, he hits his 400 dinger yep. uh, against the Mets. And... Uh, Interestingly enough, that year, uh, September 23rd, he's the second player ever to have 200 home runs in both leagues, joining mm -hmm. uh, Frank Robinson, which I thought was really awesome. That is a great, um, just, a, just a great stat that you're just like, oh, yeah, he dominated in both leagues. You know, it, it, there was no, yeah, question. Because like, there's a lot of guys you see in Major League Baseball like throughout history, like particularly before interleague, yep. where sometimes when they switch leagues it's a little it's a little different. there's a learning curve yep. to it there's a little uh, struggling struggle bus you know who he hit the dinger or dinger off of mm -mm. roy halliday oh that's great before he was like awesome for toronto yeah um was uh doing pretty well uh in 2001 uh for tampa and then he was traded along with his uh, $6.5 million salary to the cubs well i saw he had a no trade clause in the clubs the cubs are trying to make a postseason run they inquire about him and he wait he waves his no trade clause because he's like all right this is going to be my last chance to make the playoffs and i don't know if anybody knows this about the cubs of this era but they just weren't making the playoffs and no. they did not <laughs> and they did not so they traded his did a trick there they traded go. and his contract was obviously going to be too big for a man at this yeah. time in his career all of that kind of cool stuff I um, still think it's impressive, though, to be 38 years old, almost 38 years old, and hitting 31 homers and batting over 300. Yes. Over 100. I mean, that that's what made – I think, what, he had 10 in a row of 30-plus. Of 30-plus. Or, or, or 10 total of 30 and 100 RBIs. Yep. Which is a career for anybody. Yep. You know, <laughs> like ridiculous. Yeah, seriously. Um, 2002, he's still with the Cubs. 30 home runs. That was his 10th 30 home run season. I thought that was probably the – might be the most ridiculous when you're still just like, oh, yeah, he is still at that top level. Uh, could you imagine if him or Frank Thomas took steroids, how many home runs oh they would hit? Oh, my God. It would have been crazy. Like, not a lot of triples, but a lot, a lot of home of, runs. Yep, a lot of balls that were just in the parking lot. <laughs> um, that winter, uh, New Year's Eve, he signs with the Dodgers as a free agent. Yep. Uh, only struggle uh, struggles with knee, hip, and groin issues. Thirteen dingers that season. I feel like this is when his body finally catches up. Which it would fail anybody. It's forty-one, forty-two. Like he's yeah, yeah, like thirty-nine, forty years old. Yeah, has yeah. To come back in two thousand four. Starts with the Durham Bulls. Very Crash Davis like. Yep. 
meant maybe no, no no i wouldn't say he met a lady but uh yeah he, but uh, he ends up uh going back to the devil race um uh in tampa realizes he really can't do it after a couple of weeks yep. at a big club which at 40 nearing 41 years old that's still pretty damn impressive um you would think with the following statistics 2490 hits 493 homers 1550 rbi a career he was a career 284 hitter yeah what the hell man world series champion uh all-star mvp All-Star. there's there's so many of these that you're just listening you're just like oh yeah he's first ballot five time no. all-star three silver bats he has the he, same amount of home runs as Lou Gehrig. And he's in the era in which you are hating on guys for doing exactly <laughs> what he didn't do, which is one of those things where you should be rewarding him and you're just like, I don't You didn't have 500 home runs. And he, I've heard, literally this was a quote yeah. I heard him say, which I love so much. He just goes, "So the man that hits 493 home runs isn't a great player, but the man that hits 500 is." And you're just like, "Oh yeah, that's that's crazy." And let's remember all of the games missed from his age, what, 31, 32 seasons between 94 and 95 because of the strike. Yep. I'm pretty he could, sure he gets seven home runs in that window. I was just going to say, I feel like 94, he could have hit 40. You At know least, what I mean? Yeah. That, that was like where the, that's where his stats were going if you look at it. And then it's, it's, yeah, so the the fact that he wasn't a first ballot's a shame. He just got into it. If you want to watch his speech, it's actually really good, which some of those aren't, just yeah. because they're just not great. Like it's not great like Bob Euchre where it's just no, that, hilarious. Well, that one's the best one. I mean, one, that's like, the best ever. one. But, but it's just like, it's a good baseball Hall of Fame one where you're just like, Oh yeah, this is great. Like this guy's a baseball lifer. Yes. He loves the game. He loves his family. He loves his team. He loves everything about baseball. Yep. And it the fact that he had to be voted in by the Contemporary Era Committee, in my opinion, is ridiculous. Yep. Did you not watch it? The fact, like, okay, go ahead. Hate on Barry Bonds. Hate on Mark McGuire. Hate on all of these guys that decided to up their game in less than uh, you know above board per you know purposes. But this guy who did it right was a consummate professional. I couldn't find anybody who had a negative thing to say about Fred McGriff. Well, like you said, he made his teammates better. He was literally, I think, had 10 seasons going 30 and 100, which as a power hitter, that's all you want. World Series champion, top dog. Twice traded for appliances. Crime fighter. Crime fighter. That's right. That's right. So Fred McGriff, congratulations on the Hall of Fame crime dog. You're the man.